So now, ladies and gentlemen, it is start time. Are you ready for start time? From WBEZ Chicago and PRX, this is Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis. And I'm Greg Cott. Now everybody's got a few songs that when they hear them, they can't help but get a little misty-eyed. And we're no exception. We'll share some songs that make us cry. Plus, we'll review the new album from genre-bending artist FKA Twigs and the 30th anniversary reissue box set of The Replacements' Don't Tell a Soul. That's all coming up on Sound Opinions. You are listening to Sound Opinions, and in a bit, we're going to share some of the songs that make us cry. But first, we're going to review something old and something new. That is I'll Be You from the, uh, the new old replacements <laughs> album. Yeah. It is a box set called Dead Man's Pop, which is basically a reissue of their 1989 album, Don't Tell a Soul, a very controversial album among Replacements fans, as it is seen as the beginning of the end in many ways, Jim. Their third mm-hmm. record for a major label. They got the big spiffy remix job on that record uh, for maximum commercial radio impact. It didn't go anywhere. It did no. not become a huge hit. But now we have... A remix by the original producer of the record, Matt Wallace, who worked on the record very closely with the band. They felt very happy with the record they had made until it got to the major label remix stage. They brought in a professional, Chris Lord Alge, to uh, uh, remix it. It got very shiny. Exactly. Now Wallace is taking a shot at uh, remaking the record the way the band intended it to sound more like a replacements record and less like a commercial pop Mm ready-made. So we have the results in front of us. We have a remix of the record by Matt Wallace. We have many, many outtakes. We have a concert performance. We've got the works, basically, in this box set. Overseen, uh, we should mention, by Bob Mayer, our friend and fellow critic who wrote a superb biography of the replacements a couple of years ago. Indeed. Let's play a version from the new mix of The Replacements Don't Tell a Soul from Dead Man's Pop Box Set. It's a talent show, the kickoff track on the original record on Sound Opinions. That is Talent Show by The Replacements, a new mix by the original producer of uh, The Replacements' Don't Tell a Soul record. It gets very confusing. There is a bounty 
of replacements on this box set, Greg, far more than I want, to tell <laughs> you the truth. And I was a replacement super fan, okay? Up through at least Please to Meet Me in 1987. There are more problems than the major label glossy FM radio ready mix. I'm not going to say that it's Bob Stinson had split from the group, although they lost part of their soul Mm. when that infamously troubled lead guitarist departed the band and they went a little more pro. I think Paul Westerberg started reading his press. Mm -hmm. You know, we so believed in the emotional core and soul of songs like Unsatisfied and Answering Machine and I Will Dare. I mean, this was one of the best songwriters of our generation. Mm -hmm. So he becomes the the chronic pop music cliche, the new Dylan. All right. And he buys into that. The songs on whatever of the numerous versions you get on this box set, songs like Talent Show, songs like I'll Be You, which is as close as they came to a hit on that record, songs like the dreadful rock and roll ghost. To a rock and roll ghost. To a rock and roll ghost. They are just not as good as Westerberg at his best. What's more, I don't need to hear the Matt's jamming with Tom Waits. <laughs> I don't want to be one of those purist record snobs here, but the best part of this way too generous box set is the entirety of a live set that they recorded in 1989 at the University of Wisconsin Milwaukee, Inconcerated Live. Wonderful title. Uh, That's all that needed to come out. I think uh, exactly right in terms of putting all the blame on the the remix done by the major label is not the only problem with this record. It it sounded like a glossy replacements a cover band record uh, for many reasons. But the songwriting is up and down. Westerberg told me, I interviewed him after this record came on, he flat out told me that there was an argument between him and Stinson, Tommy, about where's the rockers, man? And Paul said, I wanted to make an all-acoustic record. Tommy wanted rockers. You know, we met in the middle. Well, right away you're talking (laughs) a compromise. I will say Rock and Roll Ghost is not a bad song. That is a great song. I don't like that song. It's probably more of a Paul Solo thing than anything else, but the vibe that uh, Wallace gets on the mix is good. I mean, the fact that there is a banjo on Talent Show, (laughs) who knew? You know what I think they were going for? That acoustic electric mix like Rod Stewart slash Faces record, Mm. every picture tells a story, and they didn't quite get all the way there. But the songs that do attempt to be that part of that, the the country soul accents and like Aiken to be... Those are beautiful, poignant moments. But then there's other songs on the record that just don't hold up with the best work of the replacement. So it's a very much a mixed bag here. Yeah, but how about that Inconcerated? Oh, God. I mean, That's live. Good I saw that tour, and it was fa- yeah, fantastic. It was great. It was yeah. great. I just want to feel That is a little bit of Cellophane, the lead single from the second proper album by FKA Twigs, Magdalene. Greg, fascinating backstory on this artist. Uh, A singer, songwriter, producer, dancer, filmmaker, she's done it all. Raised Talia Barnett in Gloucestershire, England, uh, half Jamaican, 
And uh, mom was an opera buff and a ballet dancer and a Spanish-English salsa dancer. Mm. <laughs> you know, uh, FKA Twigs first made her mark as a dancer, appearing in videos by the likes of Jesse J and Ed Sheeran and Kylie Minogue, and then a pair of EPs in 2012-2013 that really started the buzz in the English music world. People went gaga over her first album in 2014, and a long silence. Mm. Uh, she was in the spotlight quite a bit uh, because of relationships uh, that that were, you know, tabloid fodder. The actors Robert Pattinson and Shia LaBeouf. Uh, this album has been some time in the making with some impressive production help: Skrillex and Jack Antonoff, a cameo by American rapper Future. Uh, it is amusing on the role of women and romance and having a romance in the public spotlight. It is a deep record. Let's play a song from it and we'll come back and give our reviews. This is Mirrored Heart by FKA Twigs from the Magdalene record on Sound Opinions. from the new FKA Twigs record, Magdalene, named after the biblical figure Mary Magdalene. Uh, I think uh, for, for FKA Twigs, uh, Magdalene represents all women uh, who have ever felt misunderstood, mm-hmm. demeaned, mischaracterized, patronized, basically all women in his, throughout but, but, history. But, but in the spotlight, uh, you know. Exactly. Uh, everybody thinks they know him, but they don't. Mary Magdalene was miscast as a, you know, a, basically a sex worker by yes. a pope. People don't realize that she was basically another disciple mm-hmm. and one of the greatest uh, uh, advocates of, of Jesus Christ's teachings in the Bible. In the same way, she feels women have borne this burden that was very much in the public spotlight with uh, Mary Magdalene's life. She's got a beautiful soprano voice contrasting with this very crunchy avant-garde production. Mm-hmm. This is an art pop record to the max. I, I've, I've seen a lot of English writers talking about the fact that she is operating in the pop sphere, but she sounds nothing like what they see as an increasingly homogenized pop spectrum. Yeah, this is very Kate Bush. Let's let's you know. Kate sad Bush day. is the name. Everybody compares her vocals to Kate Bush. There is a direct reference to Kate Bush's work, uh, a woman's work, in the first line of Mary Magdalene, the title track. A woman's work. A woman's prerogative. But what I love about this record is when she sort of works outside that sphere. The collaboration, for example, with Future Mm -hmm. on that track, Holy Terrain. The sandpaper contrast between that sweet voice and that gruff rapping style. Throw those 
It's a duet of sorts, but that's what she's going for, that sort of turmoil that she feels women are going through, that the world is going through, and sort of encapsulating it in this song. The track we just played, Jim, Mirrored Heart, that to me is the album in a nutshell. Um, you go from rapturous to ruinous in a few moments where yeah. it's really sweet, and then it hits that staticky mid part, and that whole business about, did you ever truly see me? Yeah. That's the record. Yeah. And right she's there. railing that no one has. You're very excited about this. Gets me, it makes me yeah. happy. Um, it's a great record. Um, I think the other comparison that isn't being made as often as Kate Bush is to Bjork. And I think this is the right. best uh, genre hopping, experimental, electronic, acoustic record Bjork hasn't made in this century. <laughs> uh, I mean that as praise, not not as, as as dragging her down with comparison. This This is, you know, what genre is this? It is impossible to say you should just listen to it. I also think um, it stands very well as a companion to Lana Del Rey's new album, which mm-hmm. which surprised both of us for how much we liked it. Norman Blanking Rockwell, in terms of of a very smart, very talented woman who has a personality all of her own, uh, you know, uh, commenting on where romance fits in her life, where women fit in the world at this moment. Uh, you know, it's a really smart and very gripping record. So that's what we thought about FKA Twigs and the replacements. We want to know what you think. We want to hear from you. Call us and leave us a message with your opinions at 888-859-1800. I can eat my dinner in a fancy restaurant, but nothing, I said nothing can take away. This week we're tackling songs that make us cry from tracks uh, that just sort of make us well up a little bit to a full-on sob. (laughs) (laughs) We're men enough to admit we cry. There have been moments like that, for sure. Jim, uh, you know, there's something about a sad or bittersweet song that strikes an emotional nerve in all of us. And uh, even the two of us aren't immune. I mean, we come across as, okay, we're tough critics, right? We're professionals. uh, We're in it because we want to feel that way. Mm -hmm. We want the music to hit us in that emotional nerve. We're going to tell some personal stories today and hear from some of our listeners about songs that made us cry. Jim, why don't you start us off? I'm going to play a song, Greg, that is as old as I am. First recorded by Dionne Warwick in 1964 from that team of Burt Bacharach and Hal David, two heroes of yours. I've never been huge fans of them. But you can't listen to A House Is Not A Home and not feel the depth of sadness in this song. I'm not going to play the Dionne version. I mean, she famously would often bring herself to tears singing it on stage. I'm not going to play the Mavis Staples version. I know that's the one you love. I'm going with Luther Vandross. I don't think he's ever gotten enough love on Sound Opinions. I mean, he was a background singer, singing behind people like David Bowie. And in 1981, he got his chance to go out on his own with that album, Never Too Much. Rare in in the sense that he would be the rare background singer that became a superstar and really dominated R&B for the next 15 years until sadly, you know, his untimely death. I got to speak to him once. He was a man who felt the emotion in music. And wow, uh, is his performance of A House Is Not A Home powerful. 
successful. The empty house symbolizing the end of a relationship, of this the, this emotion being torn out of your life, out of your heart, and a chair suddenly is just a chair because the one that you love is no longer sitting in it. So my first sad song to kick us off, a classic, A House Is Not A Home, Luther Vandross's version from 81 on Sound Opinions. A chair is still a chair Even when there's no one sitting there But a chair is not a house And a house is not a home When there's no one there To hold you tight And no one there Andros with A House Is Not A Home, one of my favorite tearjerkers. You got it? We are talking about songs that make us cry. We are man enough to admit, Greg, both of us, <laughs> that we can be brought to tears by art. What's your first pick? Jim, uh, the music of Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys has brought me to tears. I will be glad to admit that. I think when uh, people think of tearjerker Beach Boys songs, they immediately go to something like God Only Knows or maybe that Surf's sounds. Up. Some that of those sounds. sophisticated songs that he was writing in the latter half of the 60s. But what really blew me away when I started digging into the Beach Boys, once I became privy to the fact that they weren't just the surfs up fun and sun group, was some of the real early stuff. And I happened to stumble across a song that was on a tribute album to the Beach Boys several years ago called The Lonely Sea. It's from their 1963 album, Surfin' USA, and, and most of the album is those sun, fun, and surf songs. It's a very lighthearted record in many ways, but it also has this song on it, The Lonely Sea. It was recorded soon after Brian Wilson turned 20, which meant he wrote this song in his teens, and it just sort of blew me away in its evocation of innocence lost. I mean, a lot of people attribute those qualities to a song like God Only Knows, but that, you know, it was a few years later, and it just blows my mind that the young Brian was already sort of experiencing these feelings and realizing, you know, everything we're doing here on this planet is temporary. It's all going to be out and sea adrift, you know, mm-hmm. in a few years' time. And we're just tiny grains of sand on that beach. And it was just kind of a powerful moment to, to sort of think about the young Brian Wilson thinking that way. The Lonely Sea from the Beach Boys on Sound Opinions. The Lonely Sea See you. 
the Beach Boys with Lonely Sea, uh, one of those first tracks that the Beach Boys recorded, I think, that really got to me. Mm. After a break, Jim and I are going to share some more songs that make us cry, and that's coming up on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX. Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm blubbering Jim DeRogatis. <laughs> that over there is uh, crying his heart out, Greg Cott. We are talking about great songs throughout rock history that have made us cry, that, that probably make you cry, too. We got a tremendous outpouring, not only of tears, but of suggestions from our listeners, Greg. We're going to get to some of those later, but right now it's my turn for another pick. And I'm going with Sarah McLaughlin's version of When She Loved Me from 1999. I don't know how old your kids were if you recognize that from the soundtrack of Toy Story 2. Mm-hmm. This is the song that the Jesse doll sings, right? In the movie, it's voiced by uh, our neighbor, Joan Cusack. In the soundtrack, in the music, it's Sarah McLachlan. And she sings this song about how this little girl loved her, the doll. She went everywhere with the girl, and she was the whole life for this girl until the girl started to get older and older. And now, you know, she wasn't loved anymore. All of that's really tear-jerking, but I got a story. You know, my then three-and-a-half-year-old daughter had one of these Jessie dolls, okay? And she watched that movie, as kids do now on on videotape, 150 times a week, right? And every time that doll got lost somewhere, was always getting left at the beach or a restaurant, you know, Melody would just all her eyes out, right? But it got to the point where we had this melody CD to keep her quiet when we're driving in the car, and this song would come on, and she would start to wail. Just the sound of the song, the first couple of notes would start her crying, which now Dad has tears in his eyes remembering that. Here's Sarah McLaughlin with Randy Newman's song, When She Loved Me, on Sound Opinions. When somebody loved me, everything was beautiful. Every hour we spent together lives within my heart And when she was sad, I was there to dry her tears And when she was happy, so was I When she She and I together 
when she was lonely, I was there to comfort her, and I knew Sarah McLaughlin singing Randy Newman's When She Loved Me from Toy Story 2, Greg, always makes me cry almost as much as Sarah McLaughlin's commercials for those poor puppies and dogs and animals. Oh, my God. Anyway, the fact that uh, we're talking about a river of tears here, I was just referencing that uh, Beach Boys song, The Lonely Sea, and this is part two of that in a lot of ways. I've done a mixtape where I put these two songs back to back because I think they sort of belong together. I'm going to play a song to the siren. It was a song originally written by Tim Buckley in 1970. He's probably best known today as the dad of the late Jeff Buckley. Tim Buckley also died at a very young age and uh, left behind some some great songs, including this one. But I was introduced to the song in 1983 by a group called This Mortal Coil, which is a project by Evo Watts Russell, the founder of 4AD Records and the producer John Fryer. And it was basically an excuse for them to get together with their friends and make some music that they really love. They focused particularly on covers that really moved them, and this was one of them. They hired no less than Liz Fraser of Cocktail Twins as the vocalist on this song, and it is her voice in combination with that melody uh, that makes this song so timeless and, uh, dare I say, tear teardrop evoking. It's a beautiful song, you know. Uh, Brian Wilson was talking about that lonely sea, you know, he'd broken up with this girl or, or said, you know, basically saying in that song, it's inevitable that I'm going to break up with you. Now, in this song, that guy is drifting out to sea and there's some heartbreaking lines in here. You know, the reference to the sirens tempting the sailors at sea from Greek mythology and uh, this guy's drifting out there and he says, did I dream you dreamed about me? I think that's just a beautiful line. Uh, there was actually a poet that was collaborating with Tim Buckley on the lyrics to this song, a poet by the name of Larry Beckett, and he deserves credit as well for the beauty of this song. It's the version of Song to the Siren by This Mortal Coil from 1983 on Sound Opinions. On the floating ship's oceans I did all my best to smile Till your singing eyes and fingers Drew me
Song to the Siren by this mortal coil. At this very moment, I am tearing up yet again every time I hear it. That song has the same effect on me. Do you need my hanky? Yes, I do, Jim. Thank you so much. We put this question out to our listeners, and we got a great response on Facebook and Twitter. Yeah, Jennifer Mackey wrote in to say, Rainbow Connection by the Muppets. I quote, not even ashamed to cry over a song sung by a frog. And you shouldn't be, Jennifer. It's a Mm -hmm. great tune. R.E.M. Everybody Hurts was a pick by Laura Williams Ambelang of Kenosha, Wisconsin. as a moving comment. Everybody Hurts came out the summer my dad died. I was 18. I remember the first time I heard it on the radio. I was driving. I pulled over and just wailed. It was strangely comforting and the first time I really got to grieve. It can still put me in that place to this day. Everybody Hurts Alex Orr had a great suggestion. Alex from Washington, D.C. He mentioned Warren Zevon's Keep Me In Your Heart. He said that's Zevon's last song on his last album, recorded while he knew he had at best months to live after receiving a terminal cancer diagnosis. That is a prescription for tears, if I ever heard one. And Josh Rosen of Chicago mentioned Tom Waits' Martha. He said, It's sad to think of someone who has moved on with his life but still holds on to a love from years ago. I couldn't agree more with Josh. Just some other quick song titles, Greg. Hurt, Johnny Cash's cover of the Trent Reznor song was by far the most suggested. Scott Walker's The Electrician, Big Star 13, Johnny Cash and Fiona Apple covering Cat Stevens' Father and Son and Moon River. Some great responses. You can reach us at soundopinions.org, Facebook, or Twitter. Let's get back to our list, though, Jim. You're up. Greg, Rod Stewart makes a lot of music lovers cry these days. It's hard for people to remember that in the 70s uh, and in the 60s, he was just an incredible white soul man. And in 76, he took a real chance on the album A Night on the Town. The centerpiece of that album is this two-part suite called The Killing of Georgie, part one and two. Stewart has said that there were a lot of gay people in his life, many of them not out of the closet in the late 60s, surrounding his band, The Faces. And, you know, he felt a real affinity, and he wrote this song about the trials and tribulations that many of them had faced. Again, this is the mid-70s, not long after the Stonewall riots in New York, and he's talking about a community that many people in the mainstream, certainly in the rock world, were not talking about. Georgie is a young man who who is gay, and he comes out to his uh, family, and they kick him out of the house. The father asks, how can my son not be straight after all that I've said and done for him? 
Georgie makes his way to New York, and in 1975, he kind of becomes the toast of the town. Mm. And he and his lover go to see a Broadway play on opening night, and they take a shortcut afterwards through an alley where they are killed, attacked, killed, beaten by a gang from New Jersey. That part kills me, right? I mean, I grew up in New Jersey. I had a lot of friends who were gay, and I'd never heard a song written about this before I heard The Killing of Georgie. And and it's a little bit saccharine, okay? But the contrast between part one, which is very upbeat and full of life, and part two, which is this sad, sad elegy to the dead Georgie, I think is just really powerful stuff as well as groundbreaking. So Rod Stewart with The Killing of Georgie, part one and two on Sound Opinions. George's life ended there But I ask who really cares George once said to me And I quote He said never wait Or hesitate Get in get before it's too late You may never get Another chance Cause youth's a mask But it don't last Live it long and live it fast Georgie was A friend of mine That's a little bit of Rod Stewart's The Killing of Georgie, Part 2 on Sound Opinions, one of the great sad songs from Jim DeRogatis. Jim, I want to play a breakup song. Um, you know, when you're young, you're going through this whole idea of, you know, what a relationship should be, and inevitably they're going to break up, and how do you handle it? And there's a ton of songs written that express that resentment and anger and how ticked off you hmm. are about the fact that this thing is ending. And We've done bad breakup yeah, songs, oh, yeah. I think, for Valentine's Plenty Day. of those songs. You know, the Love Stinks uh, Valentine's Day yeah. songs, right? But then there's the ones where, you know, we would use music uh, when we were younger to sort of like be our advisors. You know, these were our adult advisors in these things. And uh, one of my adult advisors when I was younger was Dr. Al Green, as we referred to him. What would Al Green do in a situation like this? <laughs> now, Al had his uh, experiences with uh, bad times and breakups, etc. And uh, there's a reason, I think, that he chose to cover a Chris Christopherson song called For the Good Times. It was initially a big country hit for Ray Price in 1970. But uh, Al Green did a Ray Charles on it. Remember when Ray Charles did that modern sounds and country music recording in the early 60s, you know, taking country music and sort of giving it a soul overhaul? That's what Al Green did with For the Good Times in 1972. He put it on his I'm Still in Love With You album. And initially, when uh, Ray Price recorded it, it was under four minutes long. Well, Al sort of stretched it out to six and a half minutes, and he was going to ruminate about this idea. You know, we've broken up. 
you're going to go your way, I'm going to go mine, but one more time we're just going to get together and, and say that it wasn't as bad as all that, right? Yeah. I mean, we still appreciate each other. We'll always be friends. I hoped someday to be as mature as Al Green <laughs> about a relationship. And we would play this to make ourselves feel more adult and feel better about things. And it would always evoke a little bit of a tear because it was this whole idea that, you know, life goes on and you can get through this too, kid. Here's Al Green singing For the Good Times on Sound Opinions. Don't look so sad Times, one of Greg's picks for a song that makes him cry. We'll be back with our final choices for songs that make us tear up, and Greg will put a quarter in the Desert Island jukebox and play a song he can't live without. What do you got for us? Jim, I'm going to play a track from a much maligned R.E.M. record that I have turned out to be a great fan of. That's coming up on Sound Opinions from WBZ Chicago and PRX. Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott with Jim DeRigatis, and we're playing some of our favorite tearjerkers of all time. We've each got one more pick. Uh, Jim, what do you got? Greg, I'm going obscure to 1980, a song called Rolling Upon My Day by Dome. Dome was the post-Wire project of Wire members Bruce Gilbert and Graham Lewis, this weird art rock project that was mostly industrial noise with the occasional song thrown in, three albums of dense listening. It resonates for me in a couple of ways. Number one, it's a sad song, although a typically elliptical Graham Lewis lyric. He was a modern beat poet. I'm not sure exactly what it means. To me, it's always been resonant of the encroaching plague of AIDS. In 81, 82, this disease, the gay plague called at the time, I was horrifying. It was a horrifying time to be a young person who was supposed to be having fun. And this this thing is looming, you know, over so many people. But it's also resonant to me of, of a long lost friend, a guy named Don Jackson. You know, I was a sociology journalism double major, right? In sociology, there's this concept of the gateway drug or the guide who leads you into a subculture, whether it's a biker gang or whatever, right? 
You know, nobody knows the codes of a world off the bat. They need somebody to introduce them to it. And Don showed me how to be a rock musician and how to love rock music. I'll never forget sitting cross-legged on the floor in this apartment. He only had like a futon on the floor and a stereo and him playing. He says, I'm going to blow your mind, change your life right now. This is a song called 12XU by Wire. And I was like, oh, my God, he's absolutely right. And we were in a band together, and he would occasionally play this song alone on electric guitar and and sing it. And it was so emotional. And the saddest thing about it to me is I would not be here today what I am musically if I hadn't had this guy in my life. But we lost touch, you know. I have no idea where Don is today, and and my life is sadder for not having. I hope he's alive and well. I hope he hears this and and says, hey, you owe me, you know, because you kept my Pink Flag album. You, you <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this is Rolling Upon My Day by uh, uh, Graham Lewis and Bruce Gilbert, a.k.a. Dome, on Sound Opinions. Dome with Rolling Upon My Day, my final tearjerker for this show. Greg, where are you going to go out on? Well, Jim, I'm going to go out with a song that isn't normally associated with being a tearjerker, I don't think. It's certainly not viewed as a sad song necessarily, but the context in which I heard it in brought me to tears in a good way. This is the song All My Friends from LCD Sound System. A lot of people know it from the 2007 album Sound of Silver. I love that song in its original form. But I was absolutely in love with it when I heard it the night of the Pitchfork Music Festival in 2010 in Union Park in Chicago. And when they performed this song, it was just one of those moments where it just kept building and building. And pretty soon you felt the tears starting to run. For It was a beautiful <laughs> night. The moon was out. And the song just had this powerful sense of, you know, something is ending here. There's lines in this song that are that can be taken about this whole notion of friendship, the fact that... You know, you have these friends, but sometimes it's so hard to, to keep in touch with them and hold hold on to them. You know, I was just exchanging emails with a few pals of mine where, you know, go, where did their five, ten years go? 
where, yeah. where, where we last had a real conversation instead of just these email messages back and forth. There's a line in this song about you spend the first five years trying to get with the plan and the next five years trying to be with your friends again. And what is that notion of friendship and how do you, how do you hang on to it for a lifetime? It's a celebration of friendship, but also how elusive it can be, how, how it can sort of get away from you. And it just all hit me that night that that's what this song really meant. It's all my friends from LCD Sound System on Sound Opinions. LCD Sound System with all my friends on Sound Opinions. That concludes our show about tear jerkers. But if you want to see our complete list of songs that moved us to tears, go to soundopinions.org. As always, we want to hear from you. What's a song that makes you cry and why? Call our hotline at 888-859-1800 and leave us a message or join the conversation on Facebook or Twitter. I tell you, little buddy, this whole island is bewitched. Right now, Greg is taking a trip to the desert island. He's going to pop a quarter in the jukebox and play us a song he can't live without. Yeah, thank you, Jim. Um, Not many people think of uh, R.E.M.'s Monster as uh, in their top uh, five R.E.M. albums of all time. It's not in my top ten. For a long time, I didn't either. Uh, But I was moved to uh, reinvestigate it. Uh, They put out, again, the 25th anniversary edition of, of, of Monster that came out in 1994. Uh, it had the misfortune, I guess, of following up two of uh, R.E.M.'s biggest selling and most acclaimed records, Out of Time and Automatic for the People. And I think that, in a way, uh, contributed to the fact that uh, this record is notorious for being the one that showed up the most in CD return bins uh, in <laughs> <Yeah>. record stores <laughs> throughout that decade. And what I think that problem was, 
was that there were a lot of new fans that came to the REM uh, fan club, as you mm. were, as it were, uh, around the time of those two blockbuster records. And they didn't get it. They were like, man, this record doesn't sound anything like those other two records. And it really doesn't sound like anything in, in REM's uh, back catalog at all. What Monster had going for it was um, the sound of overdriven guitar, that tremolo, that fuzz box, Peter Buck just going nuts on, on a guitar. And that sort of formed the basis of a lot of the songs that Stipe, Michael Stipe, gravitated toward to write lyrics. Um, so in other words, there was a lot of material recorded, but he gravitated toward the stuff that was most out there, most strange. And in a lot of ways, it was his way of coping with the deaths of two close friends, uh, the actor River Phoenix and the singer Kurt Cobain. Cobain died only months before the album mm-hmm. was actually released. And that prompted, even though the record had this sort of um, garagey, glammy feel, there was a, a lot of songs about uh, putting on masks and role-playing and, and, and sexuality and eroticism um, just as a way of kind of diverting his attention away from what was happening in his life. Let Me In is a, is a truly... Uh, one of those moments on the record that is most personal and most transparent and most beautiful. And the way the distortion works with Stipe's voice, the way he lifts it into falsetto at a certain point, it's actually Mike Mills playing the guitar on this song, and Peter Buck shifts over to the organ. And those are the two key instruments on the song in addition to Stipe's voice. But when I think of Cobain's death, my mind immediately goes to this song. I thought it was a beautiful morning song, when it was issued, and it sounds just as powerful to me 25 years later. Let me in from R.E.M. on Sound Opinions.
That is Let Me In by R.E.M., Greg's Desert Island jukebox pick for the week. Greg, I can't disagree with you more about Monster. <laughs> I, I, I know, the, I know. That's the R.E.M. record that broke my heart. I, I, I disagree, uh, especially upon listening to it again 25 years later. But that's uh, that's fine. That's yeah, why we'll we have that argument yes. some other time. What is on the show next week? Well, next week, right around Thanksgiving, we're going to go over through some leftovers. Uh, some of those leftover hits, some of those leftover moments of 2019 that we didn't get to on the show earlier. And the misses as well. For more sound opinions, listen to our podcast wherever you find such things. The show is produced by Brendan Banizak, Alex Claiborne, Iana Contreras, and Andrew Gill. Sound opinions, everyone's a critic. So give us a call on our hotline, 888 859 1800. New messages. Hey, this is Blair Flack. I'm calling from Meadow, North Carolina. And I don't know if you're still taking songs about radio, but um, one I didn't hear mentioned was Rush, the spirit of radio. which I think if you haven't heard it, you, I think you probably have. But anyway, uh, appreciate the show. It's wonderful. I uh, really hear a lot of new things that I've never heard before, and it's great stuff. Thank you. Hi, guys. This is Patrick from Louisville. I would like to offer a buried treasure option. The artist that I would recommend is from the Philippines. She now lives in England, 19 years old, and has just released her fifth EP in under two years. She goes by the name of Bay Badoopy. That's one word. And her most recent EP is Space Cadet. Five pop songs on there uh, with a little grunge tinge. Uh, they're all fantastic. One that shows her gift for lyrics is a song called I Wish I Was Stephen Nakamas. So I hope you get a chance to check it out. Thank you much. Guess I'm trying to get by Cause like the weather I change with time And I sit at home crying I wish I was Stephen Loveness I wanted change No one forced it My hair is blue It's pretty obvious That I Hey guys, this is Jeff, and I'm calling from Atlanta, Georgia. I was listening to your show on WABE 90.1, and I'm really enjoying it. Thanks for putting it on, and I wanted to tell you about a band you've probably heard of, but Blackwater Holy Light. I just learned about this week. I was listening to their two albums that they put out, and they're fantastic all-female act. Uh, just, just thought they are great. I thought you guys would dig it, so thanks. Keep it up. My name is Tom. I'm from Charlotte, and I appreciate almost anything that uh, Kimbra has done. 
particularly on this last album that she put out. Hi there, my name is Warren and I live in Morton, Illinois, and I wanted to uh, turn you guys on to something you may, I know you guys know a lot of music, but the name of the uh, band is Sue Sad and the Next. Sad is spelled S-A-A-D, that was first recorded in 1980. They're out of California. I don't know if you know who they are. One of their songs is Gimme Love, Gimme Pinky. All of these songs are hits to me. I just love them to death. I don't know whatever happened to them, if they broke up and went in different bands or whatever, but one of my all-time favorites. Thanks very much for your show. I really appreciate it. Have a good one. No more messages. To share your opinions on Sound Opinions, call 888-859-1800. We'll be back next week on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX.